Our second reading of the scriptures for today is from the third chapter of Ecclesiastes. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain have the workers from their toil? I have seen the business that God has given to everyone to be busy with. He has made everything suitable for its time. Moreover, he has put a sense of past and future into their minds. Yet, they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Moreover, it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in all their toil. I know that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken from it. God has done this so that all should stand in awe before him. That which is already has been and which is to be already is and God seeks out what has gone by. Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice wickedness was there and in the place of righteousness wickedness was there as well. I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked, for he has appointed a time for every matter and for every work. I said in my heart, with regard to human beings, that God is testing them to show that they are but animals. For the fate of humans and the fate of animals is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath, and humans have no advantage over the animals, for all is vanity. All go to one place, all are from the dust, and all turn to dust again. Who knows whether the human spirit goes upward and the spirit of animals goes downward to the earth. So I saw that there is nothing better 
than that all should enjoy their work, for that is their lot. Who can bring them to see what they will be after them? Here ends a reading of the scriptures for today, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I gotta be honest with you. When I was trying to put together the message for this morning, I had one working title, and I started and I got like a page, maybe a, maybe a few paragraphs, and then the rest of it just gone. Well, I come up with another idea. I got about a page and maybe a page and a page to a page and a half. Then after that, it was gone. So, as Charlie read the uh, chapter of Ecclesiastes with the you know a time to this and a time to that, I finally hit. That's what I'm gonna speak on. Title my message this morning: Turn, turn, turn. The seasons of life. How many of you remember back in 1965 a folk rock band called The Birds came up with a song called Turn, Turn, Turn. I knew y'all was a bunch of old hippies. I knew that. And I imagine when I said that the title, when I said that title of that song, you thought to everything, turn, turn, turn. There is a season, turn, turn, turn. Yeah, see, I knew, I knew, I knew y'all was old hippies. But it, believe it or not, most of that song was the first eight verses in the chapter, the third chapter of Ecclesiastes. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but in 1965, when the birds sang it, recorded it, and put it out, it become a number one song in the U.S. on the Billboard 100 chart. And, and I don't know if you realize this or not, those are some of the oldest lyrics ever from the oldest songwriter ever, King Solomon. Isn't that something? Now, I've listened to this song many, many times over the years. And the more I listen to it, the more I get to thinking about life. More specifically, the seasons of life. We're born. We live. We experience this. We experience that. Then we die. That's, that's the cycle of life. That's the seasons of life. Now, what I want us to do is I want us to focus on some of these verses from that particular chapter this morning. When I was growing up on a small farm in Kentucky, my grandfather planted a large garden every year. Now, we had green beans, tomatoes, squash, butter beans, and I'm going to be honest with you, I cannot stand those. My mother used to freeze them for the winter, and she would make us eat them. And I, I don't care for them to this day. He also planted corn, potatoes, and, you know, I mentioned squash. And it was, like I said, it was a large garden because he was feeding six people, himself, his wife, my mom and dad, my brother and me. 
we would work the garden. We'd you know, hoe the weeds out, pull the weeds. We'd put on the seven dust on tomatoes to keep bugs off of them because, I mean, they would eat them alive if you didn't take care of them. And then mom would can tomatoes. Mom would bag up the butter beans and freeze them. And we'd put away the squash to fry during the wintertime. And I tell you what, the work that we put into that garden was worth those delicious vegetables during those cold winter nights. Now, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon had written these famous words, and those words are still relevant for today. Whether you realize it or not, whether you choose to accept it or not, they are still relevant for our day and for our time. Now, in the first verse, Solomon says that everything has a season. In earthly terms, we have four seasons, spring, summer, winter, and fall. Now, I jokingly tell people, I say, here in Florida, we only have two, spring and summer. I've heard some say hot and hotter. But we only have two seasons temperature-wise here. And we, we all have everything, but everything has a season. We all have but just a short life here on this earth. God is in control of it all. And that is something we have a hard time understanding. Why can't we do this? Or why can't we do that? Why can't we have this? Or why can't we have that? Is pretty, now that's pretty much our mindset these days. We seem to live in what I call the microwave society. Y'all believe that? We want it when? Right now. Right now. You know, I love this participation. <laughs> we want it right now. We don't want to wait. We're impatient. You know, this cough that I have, I would love to get rid of it completely. But there's only two ways. Either the doctor figures out finally what's going on with me, or the other alternative, which is death. That's the only way I'm going to get rid of it. I guess I'm like the Apostle Paul. You know, he used to talk about in his, in his messages to the churches that he had a thorn in his side, and he always prayed that God would take it away, but God never did. That thorn was to keep him humble, to keep him human, if you will. But most of the time, we don't have a clue. We have no clue what we really want or what we really need. Sort of like when you get up and go to the fridge. How many of you have ever gotten up, went to the refrigerator, and just as soon as that door opens up, why did I come in here? What was it I was wanting? Then you shut the door back, you go sit down for a few minutes. Ah, now I know what I want. I'm going to give me a bowl of ice cream. That's how we are sometimes. But God knows what we need even before we ask for it, or before we even realize what we need ourselves. When we are born, we are completely helpless, and everything has to be provided for us. Then we grow up to the point that we can take care of ourselves. You know, some small children can dress themselves. Some can feed themselves. It's amazing. I mean, like my granddaughter, she said, I know what two dollars, I want two dollars, mommy, give me two dollars. She knows. 
And if we put Christ in the driver's seat of our life, our lives are definitely better than if we control the car ourselves. And I found that to be true in my own life. Now, I can't speak for everyone else because it's a personal thing for each individual. You have to decide for yourself. You have to make the decision to allow the Lord to direct your path, to guide you each and every day. Now, I know that y'all will say it's not an easy thing to do, and it's not. When my wife is home and I'm home, we go somewhere, guess who's driving? My wife. I told her one time, I said, I'm going to do the driving day. No, you're not. That's how it is. It's hard to give the rudder of your life over to somebody else's hand. But God knows where we're going even before we know where we're going. Then at the end of our lives, we tend to have regrets and sorrows over the things we either did or we didn't do, the chances we never took, the vacations we never had, the grandchildren we never saw. We got mad at them for some reason. They, they, hurt our, they hurt us in some way, and we've, we've been estranged from them for so long. Do you have any wish, wishes to change some things in your life so far? Have you ever wished you could change something? To try a different class in school? To date that gal that you, were, that you wanted to date when you were younger? Did you ever want to do that? We cannot go backwards. It's impossible. Now, unlike the Back to the Future movies, you can't go back. You cannot go back and change it. Because if you change it, the future of your life will drastically change. We can only move forward. Now, I mentioned earlier here in the message about planting and reaping. But there's also other ways to plant and other ways to reap. And you have choices when you do so. If by chance you sow anger, guess what you're going to get back? Somebody's going to blow up in your face. You get it back 10, 20, and sometimes 100 fold. If you sow hatred, the same thing happens. You only get back what you put out. On the other hand, what would happen if you sowed seeds of kindness, happiness, and grace to others? My dad was one of the kindest individuals I had ever known. He never knew a stranger, and he always responded to questions or requests with, now get this, if there's any young people out there listening, listen to this very carefully. He would always respond by saying, Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Now, I'll tell you, it did not matter how old you were or how young you were. It was always, it was always with those yes, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, no, ma'am. It was always that way. He always respected and cared for others. And he also loved little kids. <laughs> I remember how my oldest son, now now he's he's a tall boy. He's six foot six. Towers over me. I wonder where he got that height from. He had to have gotten it 
from my grandfather on my mother's side. Now, he was almost seven foot tall. He, he, I think he played in the fertilizer bed too long. <laughs> but when he was smaller, he used to lay on my dad's lap and say, Papa, tickle my feet, tickle my feet, tickle my feet. He loved for his Papa to tickle his feet. So kindness and love to the world, and you'll get it back many times over. When we think about keeping something or throwing something away, many times we find it difficult to toss something away that is sentimental value. Or if any of you are like me, you tend to collect useless stuff that doesn't serve any purpose. How many of y'all remember the old grit newspaper? Well, we've got a few. We've got a few. My grandparents subscribed to that thing for years. Now, my dad used to used to go over, we, we didn't live no further than probably from where I'm standing to the end of the parking lot out there from my grandparents. He, he would always go over, we'd always go over. I remember many times during the summer, I'd always run over when I was out of school, I'd run over and sit and we'd talk, I'd talk to granddad for hours. We'd talk about farming, talk about this, talk about that, we just talk about life. But my dad, he would go over and he'd get these old newspapers, Grand, granddad and grandma were done with them. And of course, he, he asked if he could have them. They said yes. We, we were finished with them. Now, in those articles, of course, remember the old newspaper, they had columns, and then they would put little, little what they call framed, uh, framed spots in there. Y'all remember those? Like, like photographs of weddings and all that? Well, anyway, there were, there were some interesting articles in those grit papers that my dad would cut out. And he had shoe boxes full of them. He had cigar boxes full of them. Now, I remember one, this one in particular, talking about how monkeys were, were conferring with each other, talking with each other, kind of like, like what we do here. You know, we talk to each other. And how saying that monkeys would never do to a fellow monkey what a human would do to a human. We won't, we won't kill, kill our brothers. We won't do this. We won't do that. Now, I remember at the end of that thing, it said, man descended the honorary cuss, but brother, he didn't descend from us. <laughs> now what I'm trying to say is, how many times do we keep things that we should not keep? How many times do we hold on to things that has no value in our lives? We fail to realize that holding on to the wrong things, that by holding on to the wrong things, we often miss out on special stuff that God has in store for us. The Kingdom Heirs came out with a song many years ago, and they're based in Kodak, Tennessee. They had a song out a number of years ago called Looking in the Wrong Place, which talks about how we tend to seek out for worldly things instead of searching for those things which God himself intends for our good. You know, you don't look... Or don't look to horoscope, don't look to the stars for hope. You won't find your happiness or your future in a ball of glass. You won't find it. It's not there. But we need to seek those things that God intends for our good. What are you holding on to that isn't making your life better? What is God asking you to give up? in order to gain something that's even better than what you have now. 
When I went through a divorce back in 2004, that was a very rough time for me because I was dealing not only with that, but my mother was dying, my dad was sick. They died within, my mother and dad died within 55 days of each other. My mother passed first and I had the last 55 days with my dad and I learned quite a bit from him during, during that time. I mean, he and I, we would go out, I'd take him to supper on Saturday nights. If I had to work on a Saturday, I'd still, I'd still get cleaned up and I'd take him for supper. And I had a lot of good times with him up till the time he passed. You know, I felt like a failure back then. My kids, I felt like my kids hated me. I know the wife, the ex-wife did. But I had, I had to make a choice. I had to be willing to finally give all of that up. I had to put it past me. That was the only way I was going to find Charlotte. That's the only way. Now, y'all have met her. She's, she's a very open person. She's very caring. I mean, she loves you. She never meets a stranger. She will talk to anybody. Doesn't matter. But she does keep me on my toes for sure. And I, I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't have it any other way. But I had to be willing to let go of some useless emotional baggage to be able to find her. I found the right thing, believe it or not, in an unlikely place, but I did find her, and it has been an awesome adventure. Now, if she's listening, I don't tell her this enough, but she has no idea how much she means to me. And all because I was willing to give something up in order to gain something better. Now, finally, as we think about war and peace and the time for each, now, I understand when we hear those terms, we think of World War I, World War II, the Vietnam War, the Korean War. I mean, that's depicted in the TV show MASH. I mean, I know a lot of y'all have seen it. The war between, between those countries, you know, was bad. But also, if you think about it for a moment, war can take on many other forms. <laughs> think about this for a moment. Right now, inside the human body, there is a major warfare going on. The warfare between life and death. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the war of life and death going on inside the human body right now? The war between disease and death and the body starts at the moment of conception. The body fighting disease and other foreign invaders throughout life, making for a constant battle between good and evil. Believe it or not, it's good and evil is inside our bodies right now. Inside the human body. Now, think about the difference between red corpuscles and white corpuscles. Red corpuscles to love and nourish like a mother and white corpuscles to kill and destroy like a father. <laughs> Thank God for white corpuscles to think negative all day. Y'all believe that? White corpuscle says, just show me some infection, I'll kill it. Red corpuscle says, 
Just show me a cell, and I'll feed it and nourish it with nutrients and oxygen. The battle between good and evil continuing inside our bodies and never stops until the dreaded day of death. But until that time comes, it continues to fight, fight for survival. How about in our families? How many of us had a son or daughter, you tell them to clean their rooms and it seems like what you say goes in one ear right back out the other? And that's the constant battle between parents, and believe it or not, the teenagers are worse. They do things their own way. I ain't listening to mom and dad. I've experienced that. I know y'all have too. I wish I had a dollar for every time I told my kids to clean their rooms. I'd be a rich fellow. Church wouldn't, church wouldn't want for nothing. I'd be able to take care of everything. But I didn't have that privilege. And when I think about the teenagers, it doesn't get any easier with them. Sons wanting muscle cars, or playing high school football or basketball, wanting to hang out with their friends instead of spending time at home, you know, helping mom and dad out at home. Mowing the lawn, raking the leaves, gathering wood for the fireplace, stay warm during the winter. It's a constant tug of war the battle of wills taking place in the home and it never seems to end. And the battle between parents and children also continues into adulthood. I will say this, if your parents are still living, cherish them always because they're gone before you know it. And lastly and most importantly, the battle between our Lord and Satan for our spiritual lives, our souls if you will. We are in a constant state of conflict with God and Satan fighting for our spiritual lives. The push-pull struggle. I mean, y'all know about that, the push-pull struggle. In our hearts and minds to do the right things in the ways that please Him, our Heavenly Father. Treating people the way God wants us to treat them is His creation. Letting God center lives should be at the forefront of our thinking, but it doesn't always work that way. We tend to get sidetracked and go where we're not supposed to go, do what we're not supposed to do, and for what? A little pleasure for a season? A little ease for a brief time? Only to find the easy stuff, the quick stuff, unfulfilling and empty? There's that season thing going on again. I believe in my heart of hearts that if we focus on the correct things, specifically living our lives in such a way that pleases Him, then everything else will work itself out. Because ultimately, it's all up to Him anyway. He has full and total control over all His creation, including us as human beings. Now, how can we live our lives in such a way that's pleasing to Him? Those answers are different for each individual. For some of us, it's praying with people, praying for people. Pray for your sons, pray for your daughters, pray for your pastor, because he has very large shoes to fit. He is, he is Christ's 
representative in each individual church. And he has a lot of work. He is on duty 24-7. Death in the family, he's there. Sickness in the family, he's there. We need to keep the prayers for him going. Now, another way we can live for Christ is to care for others. <laughs> a smile goes a long way these days. You know, you gotta, it takes more muscles to frown than does smile, believe it or not. I remember not too long ago, I was, I was in Walmart shopping with Charlotte. Now, there was this older fella in the same checkout line that I was in, and he had his grandson with him. He was probably two, three, maybe, maybe that age. Now, I had on I had this shirt on, and to see that child smile, to see his eyes light up, so much so that the grandfather had to take a picture with me standing beside his grandson with his shirt on. It just excited that little boy. And that's all it took, was having that shirt on and being kind to the little boy. Sometimes that's all it takes, just being kind to people. I also believe that church attendance and especially participation in worship goes a long way to help us live for Christ. You only get out of a worship service what you put into it. And the more you participate, the closer to God you get. You can find something for life in the songs, the messages, the prayers, and even the silences if you choose to listen really close. The seasons change and always will. Nothing in this universe, not even man, can change that fact. It's simply a matter of what we choose to do with the seasons of life that will make the difference. Be a positive force for the world. Let God guide you daily, and he will give you a peace that passes all understanding. And I'll leave you with this. It's not about the years of your life that will make a difference. But the life in your years that will count. Think about it. Amen? Amen.
Take the seasons of life. Go forth. Share those seasons of your life. Share your lives with others so that we will continually do his will and that others will be touched by what we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Great God of heaven, my victory won. May I reach heaven's joys, O bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, stand.